Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Well, I always want to say thank you uh, to Pastor Eric and Heather for her introductions. They're just so encouraging and blessing and building up of her staff. And, um, you know, you put on a nice suit and all you do is get made fun of. But it's not a big deal, you know. Um, It's whatever. I appreciate them uh, more than, than words can say. They've been so good to me and my wife and now my son. They've been such a blessing um, in our lives ever since we walked in the doors. Uh, and I had that meeting with Pastor Eric at that random uh, ice cream shop, and I probably cried and snotted a bunch in my ice cream as we talked about things. Uh, he just welcomed us in, and, and they've been such a blessing. And so it's always an honor to stand up here. And I don't take this for granted or lightly uh, to get the opportunity to speak behind his pulpit. I, I know I know how many few people he allows up here, and uh, I'm so thankful. Um, he probably just hasn't heard me preach, so but he keeps letting me get up here. So <laughs> I appreciate that. So we're going to have some fun today. Uh, we're going to see what God has in store for us. So let's pray, and uh, we'll dive right on in. Father God, I thank you that you are a good, good God, that you do good things to us. doesn't matter what age we are. You want to be actively involved in our lives, and you want to do amazing things in our lives. And Father, I thank you right now that this word that's about to go forth, that you have prepared our hearts, that you've brought people here for such a time as this to hear words from me, but to hear the Holy Spirit impact and impart wisdom into their lives today. Father, I thank you that out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is going to speak the truths that you have placed inside of it. Father, I thank you out of my belly will flow rivers of living water that will just gush on these people, Father. I thank you that right now you are moving actively. It says, where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst, and you are welcome here to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. There was a pastor that went to a nursing home to visit one of his ladies from the congregation. She had got put in a nursing home, and so he goes to visit her. And he sits down next to her at the bed, and, and they just start talking. And they're having great conversation about God and about her family and her children and her life and her legacy. And, and, and while they're talking, she, she has a bowl of, of peanuts right next to the bed. And, and so she the pastor grabs one and takes a bite of one, and, and they're just deep in conversation. And 30 minutes turns into an hour, turns into an hour and a half, turns into two hours. And he stands up and he says, Ma'am, he said, I've had such a great time talking with you. He's like, but I have to go. I have other appointments. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. While we were talking, he's like, I, I ate all of your peanuts. I apologize. I'll, I'll get you some more, I promise. And she goes, no, it's okay, honey, because if, if you didn't eat them, they would have just sat there anyway. And he's like, oh, okay. And she goes, well, since I lost my teeth, all I can do is suck the chocolate off of them and put the peanuts back in the bowl. So, um, true, true story? No? No. And y'all thought that pastors had boring lives. Who wants to be a pastor? No? Nobody? How many have ever said this phrase, I am bored? Hopefully you're not saying that right now, because I have a long way to go. A lot of points, a lot of scriptures, a lot of things, so you better settle in. I am bored. If you've had kids, or if you have a spouse, at one point in their life, more than likely within the last five seconds, you've said, I am bored. 
It's crazy that kids, young kids, get bored so easily when they have everything at their fingertips. You know, when I was younger and I wanted to watch a cartoon, I had to wait till like the next day or Saturday to watch them. But now I find myself watching Spider-Man and these different things on YouTube with my son at any time, at any point when I had to wait for the next episode of the Power Rangers to come out till next Saturday and watch it secretively because my parents wouldn't let me watch Power Rangers. And so <laughs> I had to wait till Saturday morning and pray that the Lord would keep them in a deep slumber. My faith started really early um, so that I could watch Go Go Power Rangers. But we've all said at one point in our lives, whether we were young or old, that we're bored. I'm bored with this job. I'm, I'm bored with this life. I'm, I'm bored with this phone. I'm bored with this car. I'm bored, and, and I need something to change in my life. And so I want to preach a message with a title called, How to Be Bored with Christ. Now, before you throw sticks and stones at me and boo me off stage, me and my fancy... Cajun brain made up a nice little word for bored. Breaking out of repetitive, everyday drudge. How can we break out of repetitive, everyday drudge? Drudge being hard, menial, or monotonous task. How can you be bored with Christ? How can you break out of repetitive, Repetitive, over and over and over, everyday drudge that we go in. And it's living a life with Christ, and we're going to dive into how that would be. So we're going to be reading in Acts 17. Acts 17, verses 1 through 10. We're going to be reading about the Apostle Paul and a story with him and Silas. Verse 1, it says, now when they had passed through McKinney and Allen, and they had come to Lake Charles, Louisiana, heaven, there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto the synagogue, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that the Jesus whom I preach unto you is the Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out of the people." And when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren to the rulers of the city, crying, that these have turned the world upside down and are come hither also, whom Jason has received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they had heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogues of the Jews. So Paul and Silas are doing their thing. They are going from town to town preaching the gospel of Christ. And it's interesting that it says here that, like his custom, 
as soon as he arrived to a town, he would go straight to the synagogue. Wouldn't go to McDonald's, wouldn't go to Walmart, wouldn't check into the hotel, just go straight to the synagogue. So we see the Apostle Paul, as his custom, going to church. We read in the Gospels that Jesus had fun going to church. I see that Pastor Eric and Heather have fun going to church. There's three people that that like to go to church. Maybe there's a pattern that when we see Jesus and the Apostle Paul doing these things, that we should follow in suit. But that's neither here nor there. That's just a side truth that I wanted to share with you because you're in church. Thank you. So text all those other people. Better be in church. So we see him walking into the church in the synagogue, and he's there for three weeks. And he's preaching Jesus, just straight Jesus. And it says that a lot of people get saved. A lot of people agree and believe. But those Jews aren't real happy about it. They just get so caught up in the circumcision thing. They just get so angry about it that the city goes into an uproar. And it says that the Jews took upon them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. These probably aren't your nicest of people. And they cause this uproar. And they say, these men have turned the world upside down. They've turned this city upside down. They keep saying that there's somebody better than Caesar. It's Jesus. And they try and capture them. And Paul and Silas are protected. And it says that in verse 10 that they leave and go to another city. And what does he do? He walks right back into the synagogue. All right, well, that was fun. Let's try round two. And we see this story unfolding as Paul and Silas does this time and time again. They just walk into the cities. They preach what they preach. They do what they do. Everybody gets mad. They might even kill him. He's like, eh, I'm not supposed to die right now. I'm okay. Says he'd get up, dust himself off, and walk back in. So like I was saying, guys, Jesus says, didn't we just, we just killed him, didn't we? He's dead. No, I got to finish my point. Thank you, congregation, for not killing me if I go too long. And so we see in the first truth of what Paul and Silas are doing that's changing their lives, changing the city's life for the pro and the con, is that they're merely, simply talking about Jesus. That's that's all they do. That's what he says. The reason everybody gets so excited is because he just starts talking about Jesus. How can we have a bored life with Christ? How can we break out of repetitive, everyday drudge, start talking about Jesus. Start telling everybody about Jesus, what he did for you, what he did in your life. So fitting to see that video of all these kids coming back from Thrive, from YFN. That when you go to school, you now have a testimony and no one can take that away from you. I experienced Jesus for the first time. All of y'all that went to YFN, I can take you into the IB 
where y'all had all y'all's main services. And I can take you to different chairs. I can take you to the chair in the middle row, the back left of that middle row, and say, this is where God really called me into ministry. I can take you in the IB to another place, another chair on the right side, halfway down, and I can say, that's where God showed me a vision about one of my friends who was away from God, and I got a chance to call and minister to him that night. I can take you to to different places in the IB on the front row where I prayed with people and saw God do miraculous things, where people prayed with me and spoke words. It's an experience that I can never forget. And that if he showed up one time, he'll do it again and again and more powerful. You see, when I was younger and in college and high school, I played fantasy football. And now that I've been back here, I've kind of started playing again. And I beat crew a bunch of times, and it's not a big deal. Um, he just had a bad year, buddy. It was just a bad, bad year. But, uh, you know, there's always next year. I'll stay over here, buddy. <laughs> and I played it a bunch when I was younger and really got into it um, with my friends. And I knew all the stats of everybody in the NFL. Because when you play fantasy football at any time, your players could get hurt. You could have the best players out there, and they get hurt, so you have to go and pick up, you know, whoever. And, and you're just trying uh, at all times. Uh, it's just continual trying to figure out how can I find that hidden gem? How can, I, how can I move this? And so I sit there, and I watch football, and I find myself cheering for these random people that I don't care about at all, but I know all their stats. I know all their figures. I know, hey, this third-string running back for the Redskins is supposed to score a touchdown because the other two running backs are hurt. So if I put him in, I should be able to get enough points, and I should be able to beat Crew. And um, I did. So... <laughs> But the thing is, I found myself watching my beloved, God-loving New Orleans Saints, and I found myself cheering against them sometimes because I needed that wide receiver that was playing on the opposite team to score a touchdown. Just let him score, and then we'll come back. We got Drew Brees, it'll be all right. Just, just, I just need a couple more yards so I can win. And I had to quit playing for a while because it it grieved my spirit that I would cheer against God's team like that. But I knew all these stats and all these figures and all these things about these other people and these other teams, but but I grew up watching the saints. Me and my friends, we would get home from church as quick as we could. We'd get a bucket of chicken from Popeye's, and we'd sit there and we'd watch our saints, and we'd cheer them on. And they'd almost win, when I say almost, like two or three touchdowns, they were so close just, just to win in a game, and, and you know, they were, they were my ain'ts, they were, they were the team, you know, we, 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 had, we had such great, great players, we had a guy by the name of Aaron Brooks who was our quarterback, and uh, you know, he was supposed to be so good, and he, he really wasn't, and, uh, and, and there was this play, I remember watching it with my friends, and he hikes the ball, and we're down like we always are, and, and he says, you know, I can see it in his eyes. He says, well, am, am I going to throw an interception, or am I going to throw it away? Because that's all he did. He didn't have any other, any other way to play. And so we're just waiting. Is he gonna, which way is he going to go? And he did something completely different. He backs up. He goes to throw it, and the ball goes behind him. He completely lets it go, and it goes behind him probably about 20 yards. Now, 
he just kind of shakes his head, and he's not even going after the ball. He just kind of shakes his head like, well, you know, it's, it's the Aints. And he walks to the sideline, they recover the ball, and, you know, they beat us by a billion points, like always. So they go to a commercial break, and they come back, and there he is on the sideline, drinking his Gatorade, having the biggest smile on his face. I mean, he is just chuckling, like, I can't believe I threw it backwards, guys. Isn't that hilarious? Now, my check for $20 billion is coming to me, right? I mean, he just didn't care at all. Like, we cared. I mean, I love the saints, and we watched them, and we prayed, and we believed, and they were terrible. And then God responded to our prayers, and he brought Michael, the archangel, by the name of Drew Brees to our team, and he brought Gabriel, the commander-in-chief of the host of the armies of the Lord, and Sean Payton. Things started changing, guys. Things started getting better. Katrina came through New Orleans and destroyed the Superdome. In like September, I think it was 25th, 2006, they reopened the Superdome, and it was the first game the New Orleans Saints were playing. Me and my friends were watching at uh, one of our friends' houses, and we're sitting there, and there's electricity in the air, and we're so excited, and we're playing the Falcons. We hate the Falcons. Nobody likes the Falcons. Where are you at? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just lost that row right there. <laughs> I'll offend other football teams in a second. Give me a second. And so we see they go, they go three and out, and we're punting. Steve Gleason runs through the middle of there, and he dives as far as he can, and he blocks the punt, and the place goes wild. We recover, and we score a touchdown. The Saints are back. The angels are flying. A couple years later, we're there at the biggest game. We go 13 and three. Who knows how? Dear Lord, praise God. Garrett Hartley is kicking a field goal to beat the Vikings as we beat up poor Brett Favre for money, I guess. I don't know what we did, but we got there one way or another. And we get to the Super Bowl, and we're there. We made it. Oh, praise the Lord, we made it. And I go home and watch the game with my dad, and we're up, and Peyton Manning's driving the field. I'm like, it's going to happen like it always does. And here he comes, Tracy Porter. He breaks the route. He takes the interception. He runs it 74 yards. And there I am on bended knee, arms open to the heavens, crying (laughs) as we win the Super Bowl. Praise be to God. My saints live and breathe and move. You see, there's a difference when you talk about Jesus and when you know Jesus. When you talk stats and figures of random, well, it says that by his stripes I am healed. Well, it says that he created the heavens and the earth. But when you stand up to somebody and say, I once was sick, I once was dead, I once was poor, I once was broke, I once was destroyed, but there is a man by the name of Jesus Christ who died on a cross and He saved me and He healed me and He restored me and He brought me from glory to glory to glory. All of a sudden, you're not living a bored, normal life. You're living a bored life with Christ because you're talking about Jesus and you're sharing your testimony with everyone you come in contact with. As you can see, by rattling off stats is unimpressive. But now all of you want to buy Saints gear and you're going to watch games and you're going to cheer and you're going to love them like I do. Amen? Let's go to the next truth. <laughs> Amen. The second truth that we can pull out of this, and I am shutting up real quick. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry I went on the tangent with the saints, but I got to get it out. It's just bottled up inside me. The second truth, live a life that is crazy to the normal person. We see in verse 6, 
And when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come here also. They've turned the world upside down. Everything was normal. The synagogue had been there for who knows how long, and they were just preaching what they were preaching. But one man and his best friend showed up and started saying, Jesus, 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 and all of a sudden, the world went into chaos. And they said, whoa, whoa, this is not what we were expecting. We want normal. We want just teach us this. Don't, don't deviate from side to side. Just tell us like it is. Live a crazy life that normal people question. You see, there's a bodybuilding competition that I told the earlier service that I've applied for many times. And they keep sending it back saying, get a little bit bigger. And I'm like, I don't know how much bigger I can get. You know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, you know. That's why I don't fit in my big boy suit. Um, But it's called Mr. Olympia. It started in 1965. It's been going on for 50 years. And there's only been a handful of people that have won this. Lee Haney was one of the first to win it. Ronnie Coleman, both Lee Haney and Ronnie Coleman won it eight times. Eight times, Mr. Olympia. Big, muscly men. And for those who aren't really familiar with it, this is where Arnold Schwarzenegger got his fame and fortune. He won it seven times. He won it like four or five times straight and then decided in the 80s, hey, you know, I'm bored. Let's win it one more time. And he won it again in the 80s. I mean, and so there's this, there's this regiment that these guys have to be on, that they, they have to do. They have to eat a certain amount of food. They can't just, you know, eat a couple Kit Kats and Oreos and then do some push-ups and then, you know, go bronze up and, and win the competition. Can't do that. They've got to, to do sacrifices. They've got to work. They've got, they've got to do things that are abnormal to the normal human being. I mean, how many people, you know, work out more than they sleep or more than they work? How many people eat, like, you know, a piece of chicken 14 times a day, the same meal over and over again? And we see this regiment that they're going on and that they're doing and, the, and these things that are so crazy to us, you know, Go eat some Oreos. Just, just go have fun. No, because they have a goal in mind. They have a plan in mind that they want to be Mr. Olympia because there's only maybe 30, 40 people in the history of the world that have been Mr. Olympia, that they can stand up and say, I've done something that very few people, if not anyone, has done, and I've pushed the boundaries, and I've gone further than anybody else has done before. I've worked out harder. I've eaten less. I've eaten more. I've, you know, done... All this, I don't know what they do because I'm really tiny and I'll never be a part of it. So I don't know what they do. But they do a lot more stuff than what I would do. That they go to the extreme to achieve something that very few people achieve. Live a life that's so crazy that normal people are almost offended by it. Because people say... Well, why'd you get that job? How'd you get healed? Why does God love you? Because I opened this book, and it said I could. I read this, and I decided that I was going to make sacrifices in my life, and I was going to read this just a little bit more. I was going to pray just a little bit more. 
I was just going to try and experience God just a little bit more because it says that I can be healed. It says that I can be saved. It says all these things, and there's very few people that have stepped out by faith and received everything because I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when I step in there. I want to experience everything that he has for me. If he died on the cross and he paid every penalty for it, then I should have the ability to walk out there and receive it because I want people to question my life. Because if they question me, then I can go back to my first point of talking to them about Jesus. Well, how'd you get that house? How'd you get that wife? Well, I look good. No, no, okay, you're busy. How'd you get such a good kid? Well, I beat him, you know, it says it in there, but. How'd you get such nice cars? How are you so free? How can you sleep at night? How do you do this? How? how, how? It, it never happens to me. I don't understand. I don't, I, I. Because I've decided when I started serving God that I was going to live the craziest life that I could. I went to college and thought, hey, I'm going to go be a cop. Got hired by the Border Patrol. Night, the day I got hired, God said, don't go, go to Bible school. And I had a decision right there. I said, all right, we're going to go on this journey. And if I say yes to this, then I will not say no to anything else you say. And I've said yes every time. And it's been crazy stuff. Water walk in faith to get out there. Move back to Louisiana, start serving at a church, start getting invested in the church, start doing all this stuff. And God says, yeah, let's, let's go to McKinney. Hang out with these pastors. We didn't have a house. We didn't have a job. Eric and Heather barely knew us. They're just starting to like us now. I mean, I don't even know what. <laughs> Mainly because of Maddie and my son. Okay, yes, we'll do it. Don't have a job. Don't, don't know what I'm doing. Oh, God provided a job. Okay, let's do that. I hate public speaking, and I've talked about it before. I hate it. God says, you know what? Why don't you go up there and preach? <laughs> Appreciate you, God. Where are you at? But I will not say no to him. Whatever he presents to me, I say yes. And every time I say yes, I get brought up higher. There's a new season. There's a new blessing. There's a new thing that happens in my life that I continually step forward. And every time I get to that, again, of yes or no, what do I do? Yes or no, God? Do I obey God or do I say no? Am I comfortable and just say, I'm happy where I'm at, I'm bored where I'm at, or do I say yes? I go back to every other circumstance and I say, you brought me higher. You've supplied. You've met the need. You've shown up. So yes, I'll do it again. And believe me, people will ask you, what are you doing? You're moving where? You have no job? You have no house? You have, what are you doing? I don't know. God said go. I got to go. He'll provide. And the last point, we see in Acts 17, verse 1, verse 10, verse 15, that Paul just goes. He shows up to McKinney and Allen, and he just preaches to the synagogues, and they get mad. Okay, that's fine. And so then he goes to the next town, and he preaches. And if you keep reading, it says that those same people that were angry at the other place show up at this other town. Here he is. He's preaching, and they get mad, and they turn the world upside down again. And he says, okay, well, let's go again. So he keeps walking, and he shows up in Athens at the very end of this passage. He shows up in Athens, and he preaches this amazing message to the free thinkers of the time. These people are the brightest, the smartest, so they say, back then, philosophizers. You like that word, huh? 
made that one up just now. Kids stay in school. And he preaches to these people about Jesus that revolutionized these areas, these towns, and eventually the world. And it's crazy because it's almost like you can see Satan and God going back and forth. That somehow, God makes all things work together for good. And so here's Paul and Silas preaching at this little place, and they get all mad, and he goes, oh, okay, well, we'll leave, we'll go over here. He goes to this place, and he just gets to preaching again. Satan's like, rouse him up. Oh, we got to get him out. We can't, we're going to kill him. We're going to do all that. Paul's like, okay, that's fine. And then all of a sudden, he's standing in front of some of the greatest people of the time preaching about Jesus to the known world. What if he would have stopped back then and said, everywhere I go, bad stuff happens. Everywhere I go, I'm frustrated. I get hurt. I'm just going to stay here. Mama, pay me a ticket. I'm going to come home by bus. I'm done with it. I'm done serving you. I just want to live just a normal life. I'm done with it. Satan trying to do his thing, but God's like, whatever, dude. Just, I got it working. And here he is standing in front of all these people preaching the gospel of Christ. The last thing, go anywhere that God tells you to go. Go anywhere at a drop of a hat. At any time you know that God tells you to do something, go. Because he's bringing you somewhere, and everywhere you go, something better is happening. Something better is happening. Something better is happening. He provides. I love watching journalists, CNN, Fox News, Weather Channel mainly. That guy that's always in the middle of the storm, I don't know his name, but you know who he is. He's always got that jacket on, his umbrella sideways, he's getting hit in the face by stuff. It's crazy out here, man. The storm's on top of me. He could say no. Like, it's, you know, he could say, I'm not going there. There's a huge tornado, not going. There's a massive snowstorm, don't want to be there. But every time you turn the weather channel on, there he is in the middle of everything. He's just, it's crazy out here. There's nobody on the streets. Nobody needs to be on the streets. But here I am, just delivering the craziness. There's a cow flowing by, and there's a house disappearing, and it's just, it's just crazy out here. It's going to be okay, guys. Stay inside. <laughs> then we jump forward to like CNN or Fox News whenever they were really covering the wars with Afghanistan and Iraq, and, and there was always this little petite woman with some random like helmet on, and, you know, like an inner tube or like some type of vest on, you know, little life jacket on, and her microphone. She's like hiding behind a rock. It's crazy out here. There's people shooting and bad people over there and America here. And, and then she's like running around and she's like, can you tell me what's going on? And he's like, uh, we're fighting. Like, can you stay away? And she's like, no, no, it's CNN. They're, wave to your mom. It's going to be fun. <laughs> but I'm amazed by these journalists that they're so caught up and in love with the story, and they're so caught up in trying to get the truth out that they will go anywhere that they can to get that story out. I mean, you see journalists try and overthrow presidents with their stories. You've seen them going to the dirtiest and darkest of places to expose corruption and to bring truth and light to a place. You see, there's a, a, a set of verses in the Bible that says Christ 
died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He rose again on the third day. And that message right there is called the good news. Now, what these journalists are saying is news, and some of it is good, but we own the best news, the good news, and all of a sudden, we have the opportunity to go anywhere, into any circumstance, into any moment, and stand up and declare the truths of God and say, we will no longer deal with the negativity. We will no longer deal with the insecurity. We will no longer deal with the injustice that is happening because by Jesus' stripes, I am already healed. I will go everywhere that He tells me to go because I know that He is with me. And it says, draw near to God. And it's like a magnet. And He draws near to you. Are you tired of living a bored life? Are you tired of the mundane, annoying task in your life? I challenge you and I ask you to start living a bored life with Christ. That you break out of the repetitive, everyday drudge and you start telling people about Jesus like you know Him, like you've experienced Him, like you love Him. You start living a life that's so crazy that people start questioning, what are you doing? How can you make that decision? Why are you doing that? And you revert back to point one, tell them about Jesus. And then the last thing, go anywhere at any time. Give more than you've ever given before. Love more than you've ever loved before. Bless more than you've ever blessed before. Pray more than you've ever prayed before. Read more than you've ever read before. At any time, be ready and willing, in season and out of season. You come to this church, it's a good chance at some point you're going to be up here preaching at the most inopportune time. You just get done fighting with your wife, and then he hands you the mic. Oh, okay, uh, Jesus, Jesus loves you and, and your spouse and all kind of stuff. I refuse, and I know that I'm in a church full of people. I know that there's a staff here at the church that refuses the same thing, that we will not back down. We will push forward. We will walk on water and we will see God move in this church, in this community, in this city, in this state, in this nation, in this world. And I won't stop. And hopefully you won't either. So let's be bored with Christ. Amen? Amen. Father God, I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you that you're speaking to each and every one of us. Thank you that you're moving in our lives. That we all have frustrations, things going on in our lives. But we put those aside because we want to be invested in you. It says in your word that you are building your church. And God, I raise my hand and say, I want to be a part of that building process. And I know that I'm in a room full of people that want to be a part of the same building process. And so we refuse to live a normal life. And right now we declare that we will be bored with Christ everywhere we go. That we will share your good news. We will share the stories of your salvation, of your love, of your healing. We will do things so crazy by faith that normal people will question what we're doing but we will keep walking on the water because we know that you're with us. We know that you're guiding us. We know that you're moving with us. And Father, we will go anywhere that you tell us to go 
We will do anything that you tell us to do. Because it's just an honor to be used by you to bless and serve anyone. Father, I ask you right now to make opportunity for each and every person here to do that this week. That you open a door, you open a possibility for them to tell someone about Jesus. For you open the door for them to explain their crazy life. And that you give them something out of the ordinary to do. Maybe it's give a little more. Maybe it's bless someone. Maybe it's minister to someone. Maybe it's just call someone and say something so simple. Maybe it's come to church more. Maybe it's give more. Maybe Whatever it is, God, I ask that you impart in each and every person today something that they can do to build your kingdom. Father, I thank you for this word, that it penetrates all of our hearts and that it inspires us to have a better relationship with you, to go deeper than we can with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.